2: Hey guys, this is Steven, the host of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are available on all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. We do appreciate any ratings or reviews and all subscribers to our YouTube channel. That being said, today's show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is our sponsor, who has been great for us. They've been an amazing partner to work with, and they have some great products to make sure that you are feeling your best for the upcoming summer months. If you're feeling a little frisky downstairs, they have the Lawnmower 2.0. They also have anti-chafing boxer briefs, which are a personal favorite of mine, as well as a ball deodorant and some amazing smelling cologne. If you use the code GUILTY at checkout, you get 20% off and free shipping your purchase. Again, that's the code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. Hey Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I'm your host. Joining me as always are Tyler and Alex. Tyler, how are you doing today, man? Doing well. Can't wait to talk about players the Chargers will not draft.
3: (laughs) It's going to be a fun episode today. Alex, how are you doing today? Uh, doing good today. Uh, it seems that our Twitter account has escalated into a quote tweet war with me and Steven <laughs> regarding uh, Sertan and uh, Horn, who they'll probably not end up draft any anyway, and they'll probably take a wide receiver. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs>
1: yeah, Telesco,
3: <laughs> honestly, like all we can do right now is make educated guesses, and
2: uh, yeah. Tom Telesco is going to throw all of us off like he always does. Jalen
3: Waddle.
1: <laughs> it's a smart tactic by you guys, though, because if you have a really bad draft take, we'll just blame Alex. It was <laughs> he posted don't worry about it yeah no no, no. it wasn't us
2: yeah, it wasn't us it wasn't us so yeah obviously a lot of fun today talking about the cornerbacks uh but today we are going to discuss the quarterbacks like tyler said the players that the Chargers will not be <laughs> drafting so we wanted to get this out of the way have some fun with it as well and, and throw in a you know a justin herbert comparison as well and and you know have that conversation i think it's gonna be a lot of fun so uh, first and foremost, we are going to get to an interview with Michael Peterson, who covers the Chargers for SB Nation. He's done some uh, great work and actually just put out a profile today on J.C. Horn. Uh, so make sure and go give that a read, and we'll get to that interview right now. Give it a listen. All right, guys, we are so happy now to be joined by Michael Peterson, friend of the show who's been on with us before. Uh Michael, how are you doing today, man?
4: Can't complain. It's rainy outside, but... Feels good. I like the warm weather. I'm in Iowa, if you guys don't know. So uh, it's just nice that it's not snowing anymore.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I can't imagine it snowing uh, in, in March still. I think that's a little crazy to me, you know, being in California. But, you know, it is what it is. So um, let's start with this. You know, I, obviously, the the first week of free agency has come and gone for the Chargers and, and everybody else. And I think, you know, the most notable decision that they had to make was with Hunter Henry. Uh, and how they would potentially go about replacing him if they were to lose out on him. What did you make of them deciding not to – I mean, we don't know if they offered him or what they offered him, but what did you make of his decision to leave to New England and the Chargers' decision to replace him uh, with Jared Cook?
4: Yeah, I'll tell you what. I wrote up something today that just kind of talked about how it looks like Tom Telesco's mantra of, of draft developed Resign is kind of taking a little bit of a hit. Um, most notably, I talked about, uh, initially I thought Hunter Henry it was a foregone conclusion that he would return. I feel like this team was, you know, made fans so used to maybe doing, maybe the not so smart move, if it meant bringing back a guy that was a good player that they drafted, um, you know, that helped them succeed as a team. And I think you can say that about Hunter Henry, but at the end of the day, realizing where, that money was going to come from and what it would stop the charters from doing. I think it really made them kind of think twice about bringing back a guy who's you know, not only beloved by his team, the fans and everyone that is involved with the charters loves Hunter Henry. But I think the second that John Smith deal came out where he was making, I think it was 12 million on the dot, uh, forced the charters hand. You know, I thought if the charters could give him around 10, a little bit over 10 million per year, uh, that'd be good for, for Henry and just who he is. Uh, what he's done for the team, you know, track record, and also adding in his injury history. I thought that'd be a great right. uh, But at the end of the day, like you said, he, he is a Patriot now. And, and what that's allowed the the Chargers to do is build their offensive line like we've seen. Filer, Lindsley, Abushi as well. Uh, these are great moves, I think. They're not, you know, besides Lindsley, they're not super splashy, but I think they're the right guys. I think they're for the right money as well. And, and you know, when you think about what a Hunter Henry deal would have done to the Chargers. I don't think we have anyone near uh, the people that we've brought in, right? Uh, I think Lindsley happens, um, and, but then that's kind of it. You know, I think maybe they're forced to sign one of their uh, re-sign like a Lamp or a Tevy or something like that. So at the end of the day, it's tough, uh, but I think they did make the right move in the end
3: right and i remember last year there was sort of discussion uh, i think daniel popper reported like prior to the pandemic they were kind of like working on an extension and then pandemic happens and doesn't get done uh now he's a patriot so i wonder you know how much it was 182.5 the cap uh, cap room and so instead of 200 you know you would have had an extra 17 and a half million to work with so i wonder how much that affected it but um are there any uh, free agent signings that the Chargers made that you th- or the Chargers didn't make that you think could have been good
4: value? Uh, I think, you know, off the top of my head, um, let's just go positional wise. I, I think there could have been a corner signing, potentially not a deal like what Addery Jackson got for uh, from the Giants, right? They're not a deal where they're paying anyone more than what they just re signed Michael Davis to. But I think, you know, one name that just I saw come across my screen was Steven Nelson, um, that he got released, terminated by the Steelers. And the guy's been in the league for six years. So he's not super old, still a veteran, though. Um, three interceptions over the last two seasons, uh, two last year. Um, was solid, played 30 of 30 games that he played in with the Steelers. So I mean, the health is still there. Only missed two games, you know, across two seasons. Uh, you know, you look at like a guy like that who may not have a big market and who you can maybe get for a year or two, maybe averaging, you know, seven, seven and a half million, something like that. Um, Kevin King, you saw from the Packers, just got the one year deal for six million. And, and Kevin King's nothing special, but he's just a starting cornerback, not a cornerback not a one, uh, your main shutdown guy, but just a guy who's going to start two, maybe three uh, as your third cornerback. And, and those guys are worth, you know, around six, seven million. So I think a, like a deal like Steven Nelson would be great but them not having signed a cornerback up to this point is a little questionable. I do expect them to address it in the draft, but I would like to see them maybe make one move for a veteran guy. Yeah. I
2: would, I would have loved to see them, you know, target a a cheap veteran, you know, Malcolm Butler is still out there. I think that could make some sense. Um, I would be in favor of Steven Nelson for sure. Um, And then today, like right before we were coming on, I, you know, it happened to come out that JC Horn has met with the chargers twice uh, he shares an agent with Derwin James and he has a good connection with Derek Ainsley. Um, what would, what would you make? I think, cause we've always been aboard the offensive line at 13 train. You know, I think that is the smart decision for this franchise, but uh, what would you make if they took JC Horn at 13, or I don't think Patrick Sertan would be there, but in general, what would you think if they took a cornerback at 13 of and seven offensive lineman?
4: Ah. Uh what that would tell me is they're comfortable with potentially finishing out or running out this offensive line with an offensive lineman on day two or even later. Um, I, I don't think they sign a fourth offensive lineman in free agency. Um, maybe if literally no one else resigns uh, any of their depth pieces behind the Um But it tells me where the priorities lie. It tells me that uh, Staley, you know, it, he showed us that he wanted to prioritize the offensive line So we made three signings, but, to spend that first round pick, right, your coveted pick, your top pick on a position that isn't viewed as the biggest need on the team, at least by the majority of people, uh, tells me that he thinks the secondary does need that much more help. And if you look at that, uh, the depth chart, you're looking at Chris Harris, Michael Davis, and then Brandon Faison, who is definitely not your team's third best cornerback in uh, knowing the, how the NFL is today with the spread out offenses, teams are running base nickel defense. You just need three good corners or else you're going to be a struggling defense. Um, so they're either going to sign one in free agency or they're going to have to take one with uh, one of their first three picks. Um, but I, I wouldn't be that surprised only because recently with a lot of the pro days happening, we're, we're finding out about a lot of these, you know, day two offensive tackles like Spencer Brown, you know, from Northern Iowa just had a heck of a pro day. Have you guys seen this at eight. I think he had a, a sub six, eight, three cone or something like that, or at least a sub seven foot three. I mean, this is a true six, eight, man, I think 311 pounds being able to move with that type of bend. while that's not a, a direct transition drill for, like to show you on field skill for an offensive lineman, it's insane athleticism. And, and a lot of those guys are who teams want to bet on, you know, they can, they can coach up some of the things, but you know, God given talent and, and physicality and athletic ability aren't things that are grown on trees and six, eight moves like that isn't. So, If they do take a corner again in the the first round, it tells me that they're comfortable with some of these freak athletes that uh, aren't being talked about as first round linemen.
3: Yeah. And uh, what do you kind of make of stock up, stock down in terms of draft positions? Right. Because you figure, right, Hunter Henry leaves and they get Jared Cook. But that's kind of a stopgap option at this point. So, you know, do you go draft a tight end? So it seems like the need for tight end has increased. Do you think there's any other positions that have gotten more important or less important in the draft for the Chargers?
4: So I think tight ends are a tricky group because you're right. They let go of a a great young talent position in Hunter Henry, and they brought in uh, a veteran 33-year-old Jared Cook. and. But they did do the right thing. I'm so glad that they re-signed Steven Anderson. You know, he's still, yeah. uh, off the top out my head, 27, 28. So he's not super old, uh, kind of in a sweet spot for his career. And he showed a lot of potential, at least during his limited snaps in 2020. And then you got Donald Parham, who, you know, I, I go back and watch some of his touchdowns. I watched the touchdown from the final game against the Chiefs, where he kind of stuck his foot on the ground and kind of, oh, this defender past him, and he walked into the end zone, essentially, like, to me that is natural nuance and ability at the position. Like you don't coach players to be aware of how a defender is running at you and taking into account his speed, his angle, and understanding, do you have enough time to snag the ball like this, stop on a dime to make that play happen? I just think it's such a natural thing. So in general, I think Parham's got tons of talent that hasn't even been tapped yet. And I'd like to see him get the opportunity to uh, – produce in this offense going forward. Um, but can I 100% say that Brandon Staley and Tom Chalesko are confident in the tight ends they have behind Cook, who, like you said, is a stock at tight end? I don't think so. I, I think they will draft a tight end uh, in this year's draft, but I'd be surprised if it's anywhere above the fourth round. I think, you know, my top three positions are offensive line corner and an edge rusher to pair opposite Bosa. So, um, but I mean, an early day three uh, tight end, maybe on, in the third round, if they really have a talent that follows them, maybe. But uh, for sure, I, I think tight end kind of moved around a little bit, but I think it's settling as still a middling positional need.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting looking at this group because you have you know three really, you know potential high end receiving options, but you know Cook doesn't block literally at all. And Parham, you know, we heard all training camp that he needs to be improve as a blocker. And Steven Anderson, a pretty miserable blocker himself. So they'll have to add a blocker and hopefully, you know, be able to add a guy who can have some upside as a receiver as well. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the edge rusher. That's that's where I wanted to go next because, you know, people are, people on Twitter seem to be kind of split on, you know, the the chances and the possibilities that come with Uchenna and Wosu being the starter Opposite of Joey Bosa, obviously, you know, he's been an effective player. It's just been the health. Like, we haven't really seen him be able to take on a full workload yet. Um, so where do you stand with Unwosu? And, you know, you mentioned t- potentially taking one, uh, another edge rusher in the third round. Do you think that Unwosu and his potential is good enough for the, to deter them from adding a high-end player in the first three rounds?
4: Yeah, it's a great question because I think in during the 2020 season, there was a lot of frustration stemming from the lack of playing time for Nwosu um, as the teams, honestly, if you look at i mean, at least on paper, he was the second best pass rusher on the team. Yeah. Uh, people can say what they want about Melvin Ingram, who he is, what he does for the defense that doesn't uh, get put down on paper. It doesn't get recorded, but uh, zero sacks and zero tackles for loss is still a stat. It's, you still have to acknowledge it, right? Like he played seven games. He was, throttled by injuries which which is a huge bummer Um, but he wasn't the player that uh, we all wanted him to be so Nuosu, to me was given a prime opportunity to be thrust into that position to show what he can do and I mean he he, despite barely starting I think he maybe started three or four games uh, had three and a half sacks still second on the team Uh, but instead week after week all of a sudden it was Jerry Tillery at end and I think that was a move because they felt Nuosu couldn't play the run nearly as well and they wanted a a bigger body out there to, to set the edge and then And then it was Isaac Rochelle, who is consistently just fine, but, you know, that doesn't get the job done. You know, he wasn't making splash plays, and and there were times he was getting washed in the run game as well. So I think if they were playing those two ahead of Nuosu that consistently, that tells us that maybe Nuosu really is, you know, a liability when trying to stop the run, uh, which would be a huge bummer, and it would would definitely limit his chances of being the starting outside linebacker in Brandon Staley's defense potentially playing up on the line um, like Leonard Floyd Wood, um, Samson Nebuchadnezzar, uh, one of those guys. Um, so we'll see. But, you know, we look at the date, or excuse me, the third round edge rushers, I really like. And I think they fit more of the mold that Staley wants at that position a lot taller, longer, with a better uh, skill set combination of, of speed and power. And, and you know, guys like Washington's Joe Treon, uh, Jordan Smith, I think from UAB, the massive 6'7 guy. You know, these are guys who kind of fit more of the profile of Leonard Floyd. I mean, uh, Nuosu's shown a lot. It's just if, if we can take what the past coaching staff has, is making us think about Nuosu, like just you know, their actions to not start him does speak volumes about who he potentially is as a player and, and whether we listen or not, you know, it depend on, on his future. But I think he deserves the shot. And if it still doesn't work out with a staff that's supposed to be able to fix almost any defensive player, at least the way we hold him up on on this pedestal, then I think maybe Wilson is not the player that a lot of us think he is.
3: Right. And, uh, you know, you talk about kind of going offensive tackle uh, in the probably the first round, quarterback, second round. Um, If you're going cornerback second round, uh, who are some of the guys uh, that you would really like sort of in that spot?
4: So this is a position that um, I don't do a ton of work on in the offseason. You know, I try to, to figure out an idea of who kind of the top five or six guys are. Uh, it seems like once the bandwagon kept rolling for Asante Samuel Jr. is when, I, especially Tyler and other people are like, he's not going to be there at 47. And the more I watch and the more I kind of dived into it, I, I agree. I, I think there's a legacy thing there with who his dad is. Um, just his style of play, I think, is extremely versatile. Again in a um NFL where nickel cornerbacks and guys who can play outside inside versatility becomes much more important and Samuel is that type of guy. Uh I think Stephen, you're the big JC Horn guy, right? You yeah, he's good.
2: yeah, he's my number one guy. We're we're all split. I don't know how Tyler's uh ranking has changed with Caleb Farley's uh, you know, back surgery going on, but you know, right now Alex has Sertan, I have Horn and and Tyler has Farley. So we're all mixed right now.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, I, I I like Caleb Farley a lot. He's obviously a first-round guy, not going to be the top of the second. Um, when I try to consider who's probably going to go in the first round on top of what other positions are probably going to see runs early on, I mean, obviously, this quarterback, I think the more we find out about some of these offensive linemen who tackles and guards, honestly, as these pro days come by, they're showing off immense athleticism. So guys who you probably thought were going to be their linemen top of day two are probably going to get into day one as well. And so you got to think some of these corners fall a little bit. And I like Jason Korn, but I think he's probably maybe the guy I think will be available at to the top of uh, the second round. I do like him a lot. I like his physicality. I think after watching a lot of the secondary over the past few seasons, again, tackling, sure tacklers are a big thing that this defense has, has been missing. And, and that's why I like a guy like Corn. I think if, yeah. if they're going to win any of the top five or six corners in this draft, I like Corn a ton at 47 if he does fall.
3: So I got to ask you one question. Uh, <laughs> would you, I I, go, I got to put a gun to your head here. Would you take okay. horn or, or tan?
4: <laughs> we have to settle beef, this. Like, this, is a, this is a trick question.
3: No, it's something we have to settle this beef between me and Steven. So I'm going <laughs> to ask okay. every person uh, who comes on the show
4: now, <laughs> you know, um, this is where I wish I had done a lot more work on these guys. So branding tells me certain, um, my, one of my good buddies. So Kyle Posey, who covers uh, the Niners for us here at SB nation, um, just put out a bunch of thoughts on certain that is his apparent cornerback five. And he, he, he's not a, the biggest fan about certain does not think he's the the big talent that everyone thinks he is. Um, makes me kind of falter a little bit on like my confidence on if I think certain <laughs> or Horn is good, um, if they're both available, however, I do think I may go certain. Uh, I like his blend of uh, athleticism with his size. I just think he's more prototypical right now for the NFL. Um, but I could easily eat my words on making that decision because of just who Horn is and what I think he can provide for a defense.
2: Yeah, you know, my, my biggest thing with Horn has always been, you know, I think his athleticism matches up, his, his tackling ability, like you mentioned, matches up. But, I mean, he's got the most swagger of the cornerbacks, and I think that's so important for the position, uh, being able to have that confidence of just, I'm going to be put on an island, coach. You leave me alone. I'll do my thing. I'll shut down this side of the field. And the Chargers had that in Casey Hayward. Um, and as much as I like Michael Davis, I don't know if Michael Davis is going to, uh, to be able to to be able do that. So we'll wrap it up with this one. Um, the Chargers, I think, have close to $15 million in cap space um left remaining f- after you know accounting for the draft picks and things like that um you mentioned steven nelson but do you think uh there are any other players out there that call your attention that you think would uh you know put a pretty bow on this free agency class for the charters
4: uh i, I think if i had to name a free agent that i would like to see them bring in um Again, specifics are kind of uh, passing me by, but I would love to see them bring in an edge rusher. I think not, and it doesn't have to be a guy that starts immediately. Um, I I think bringing in the guy who's kind of been there, maybe has some familiarity for uh, within a Fangio Staley defense, I I think is absolutely huge. Just some of the kind of guys, some of the younger guys along, because this defense still is fairly young. Tillery Jones. Nwosu, again, is young, is going to his fourth year, I believe, but it's not, he hasn't played a ton, right? Um, so I would like one of these veteran edge rushers to come through. I don't have a list in front of me, or else I'd probably find one real quick and and pick one out. But uh yeah, edge rusher, such a critical position. And there are some really peculiar names in the draft, especially, you know, rounds one to three. It's not like super, super top heavy. There's not one guy who's obviously godlike uh, a lot of. Analysts have talked about the frustration trying to figure out and rank these edge rushers. Um, So, I think with that in mind as well, knowing that there's no surefire guys, it's just a lot of potential. um, I'd like to bring in a veteran guy. Um, I don't think he fits the scheme, but like I I think of an Adrian Claiborne, who I know personally from from Iowa, um, playing there, who like has moved around a ton, but it's just like he's a a decent edge rusher. I think that's kind of all they need, right? Uh, This isn't a guy who's going to be the star. He's just going to be a guy that uh, when someone needs to take a breath, you know you're not losing a ton of pass rushing ability. And now that I think about it and kind of look back, the Chargers also haven't had that much. Uh, And You know, Nuosu has kind of been a good third wheel right, for this pass rushing tricycle, as I always like to call it, um, with Bosa and Ingram. But when Ingram kind of started faltering, then you kind of just had Bosa and Nuosu, who wasn't getting enough time, and Ingram, who just wasn't, coming through the way we were all used to him coming through, right? His numbers have declined the last two years previous, 2020, and then 2020 happened, which was, you know, something that I'd almost like to address as a Chargers fan because it's, it's tough to see a guy make 14 million and unfortunately not do anything. But you know, you can't help injury and the like like that. So um a start not having the specific, but edge rusher, like just a milling guy who could rotate in, I think is a big deal.
2: Yeah, I would have liked to see Jeremiah you. Honestly, I think that would have made a lot of sense too, just for, from a familiarity standpoint. And Adrian Claiborne, I think, is was a good uh, good shot as well. So, uh, Michael, thank you for joining us, man. Where can uh, Chargers fans? I, I assume most of them follow you, but uh, where can they find your work and what kind of uh, projects do you have coming up coming up in the in the near future?
4: Yeah, so if you guys don't follow me on Twitter just yet, um, it's at Zone Tracks. That's spelled Z-O-N-E T-R-A-C-K-S. Um, all my work is over at Nation, from the Um, And in terms of work uh, that's coming in the future, I mean, we're, we're revving up to the draft, right? And, um, so I'd really like to start diving in, doing more, you know, quick scouting reports and just giving my thoughts on a lot of these guys. You know, right? it's, been, it's been busy with free agency and that stuff. Yeah. But once the bulk of free agency is gone and, you know, my quota can be now be filled with more just solely draft stuff. Um, just look forward to to me having finally giving my actual thoughts and and you know findings on these prospects going forward. Awesome. Well, Charger fans, go ahead, Alex. Sorry. I was
3: just gonna say I really like your 90 and 90 series last year. And um, I'm happy to see that come back again once the Chargers sign all those undrafted reagents. So yeah, go check out Michael's work.
4: Yes, ninety and ninety. Now that you mentioned, I guess there's something with some brand name to to give you ninety ninety <laughs> is just uh it's ninety Chargers in ninety days, and it's also hectic because you need to like stay on point with it. But sometimes you do a profile and then the guy just doesn't make the team or he's cut for whatever reason. <laughs> so you just stay on top of like, And sometimes it's more than 90. If you do some, they leave and then they sign more. So it's just a fun series to kind of dive into each player personally and maybe give you more background on the guy that you didn't know previously. And so you can kind of go into the season feeling a little more um, accustomed to these players and maybe feeling like you know them better more of a personal level which is always good for fandom
2: yeah absolutely i think that those articles are are fantastic so chargers fans make sure you give him a follow keep an eye out for all those work and michael we thank you so much for joining us again today yeah thanks guys all right so thanks again to uh michael peterson for joining the show i thought we had a really good conversation something that i kind of wanted to touch on more and i wish we could have with him uh was his little article that he did about tom telesco's You know, draft, develop, and re sign, uh, you know, method and and philosophy that um, hasn't really been working out too well for him recently. Um, But we'll have to give that a discussion another time. Alex, any other thoughts that you had uh, from that conversation with Michael Peterson?
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was just an interesting interview to talk about, uh, obviously, the prospects and sort of how he views them. And uh, I also just liked it in terms of getting a view on sort of like where the chargers are. And, you know, you talk about that draft development and and resign method and how that kind of failed with Hunter Henry if it did. Um, And, you know, what what the alternate history is, if they get an extension done last year, if the pandemic doesn't happen and if the cap doesn't drop, you know, I just think that part of it is interesting.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, what ifs in that scenario. And there's a lot of what ifs in this scenario that we're going to be talking about, which is the quarterbacks today. Um, you know, I think it's a really interesting conversation. And, and you know, I, I did watch some Zach Wilson film in preparation for today, which uh, not going to lie, it was not it was not fun for me. Uh, for those who don't know, I did go to the University of Utah uh, and we do not like the BYU Cougars at all. So uh, but I I did try to be as objective as possible in watching Wilson. So. Um, we'll get it started with this conversation because I I think the number one quarterback, uh, you know, for the consensus is going to be Trevor Lawrence. And that's kind of been the case really for the last couple of years. You know, he's he's had this position on lockdown, uh, really since he was a senior in high school. So the interesting conversation as it relates to the charges is how that compares to Justin Herbert, right. And where Justin Herbert would go if he were in this class or if Trevor Lawrence were in last year's class and vice versa. Um, Tyler, we'll start with you on this one. Where do you land on how Justin Herbert would, co- would have compared to Trevor Lawrence as a prospect and maybe, you know, how blurry is that line? Because we've seen Justin Herbert become a much better pro than we will thought he was as a prospect.
1: It's funny. It's like Justin Herbert in the NFL kind of plays like Trevor Lawrence did or has in college, not obviously different talents if you will Justin Herbert just had nothing like what Trevor Lawrence was able to do at Clemson and we weren't able to see what Herbert could become until he got to the NFL so it would have been very hard to evaluate them but okay this is gonna be a tough one because I know Chargers fans are like (laughs) okay I would take just okay tomorrow I'm taking Justin Herbert over Trevor Lawrence knowing what I know now but even then It was tough at first for Justin Herbert. I have to be real, and I had to like remember kind of how this started for Justin Herbert. The first game against Kansas City wasn't very good, guys. They had good moments. For a rookie, good. Also many high throws. I think he was sacked twice for minus 14 or 15 yards. He had that awful interception. He goes there the next week against Carolina. Some bad throws. Interception. Probably should have been a pick six. Um, you know, he's supposed to do a three-step drop ends up doing like a five or seven step drop. But at least the guy gets around Belaga and he sacks him for, for a fumble or whatever it was. You know, it was tough. Whereas I think, you know, but eventually he got those things figured out. Right. Of course we saw how the rest of the season played out. Granted, there were some, you know, some stumbles against the AFC East, but eventually those things got ironed out. Right. Trevor Lawrence, I don't think is making those mistakes early on here when he gets to the NFL. Um, What surprised me the most about Lawrence, which Herbert does now that I didn't think Herbert did as much when I watched him the first time, I was surprised to see so many excellent off script throws his arm talent to make these, these quick twitch throws rolling out to the boundary is so impressive. I actually checked the speed of which I was watching these, these clips, not the clips, the whole, the whole, all 22 to see if I was watching it at at like 1.25 speed. You know, I heard this kid wasn't much of a runner, but he's got plenty of good runs throughout. So. I don't know. Watching Lawrence in college is like watching Herbert kind of now, but we didn't get to see Herbert now then. So it's, it's so interesting to try to weigh these two guys against each other. So either way, to answer your question, long story short, I would definitely take Lawrence as a prospect over Herbert. I don't think that's even a question. He's so much more refined. Um, th- I mean, like you said, he's been, he's been groomed to be the number one pick and yeah. he looks like it for years. It, you can tell this guy has seen a few quarterbacks, coaches, and has some of the best people in the business helping him out because everything he does, aside from some inconsistencies against pressure, and I'll let you guys talk about that, but I don't know, Herbert wasn't like that, but Herbert eventually became that. But still, I would take Lawrence, then I would take Herbert in a draft. Today, I'm taking Herbert over Lawrence in the NFL. So
3: I think if you did a draft a year ago, Lawrence would be the number one pick. Like, yeah. Yeah. just going back in time, it would be Lawrence, then... Burrow, then Tua, then Herbert, right? If we did that a year ago. Um, I think if you did it now, it probably would still be Lawrence. Um, If we were doing last year's draft kind of thing, probably Lawrence, then Herbert, then uh, Burrow, then Tua, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think my thing with Lawrence is like, there isn't a, you know, people try to make comparisons to him. Like where it's like, Oh, it's Andrew luck or it's, you know, some people have compared him to like Deshaun Watson. And I'm like, I I don't think he's like that similar to any prospect. Like, you know, his prospect type is very much the Peyton Manning, uh, you know, Andrew luck where it's like, this is a slam dunk and it can't be a miss. Um, But I don't think there's actually someone that compares in terms of like Tyler said, how he's able to make those off balance throws, his actual arm, his accuracy. Like, I don't think there's been one before that's, that is this good. Um, if oh God, I'm going to get dislikes. If you made me pick the, <laughs> over the next 10, if you made me pick over the next 10 years, I'd probably take Lawrence over Herbert. Um, it wouldn't be by a lot. But I just think that there's so much this guy can do. And like, I, I think there's going to be a very quick ascension to uh, the level that, you know, Holmes is at right now, which is, you know, QB one. I think he's going to be top five in this league very quickly. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a really interesting conversation
2: when you bring up Herbert and who he is now. Right. Because, you know, we just saw this amazing rookie season where he set all mm-hmm. these records. A couple of them will probably fall to Trevor Lawrence this year if he gets enough pass attempts uh with Urban Meyer. But, you know, it is a really interesting conversation because a lot of people, you know, they'll look at Trevor Lawrence, who's also basically six six. I think he's like six five and three quarters or whatever. Uh and Justin Herbert is six six. But Justin Herbert's 240 pounds, and Trevor Lawrence weighed like 218, I think, at his pro day. And so it's a little different of a conversation because there's they are different, but they are similar. You know, they're both really big. They're, they're both you know have really strong arms. They're both mobile. Um, I would have been interested to see what Lawrence ran in the forty. I probably would have assumed probably close to the same thing, maybe like a four six, four five kind of thing. Um, but you know, when you look back at Trevor Lawrence's career and Justin Herbert's career in terms of college, right? Like the coaching there matters, and you know Justin Herbert had four different. Uh, offensive coordinators mm-hmm. and he didn't participate in like the elite 11 stuff. He's, he always stayed in Oregon. He always stayed, you know, for his high school baseball season and things like that. And Trevor Lawrence was always at all the elite 11 camps. And so was Justin Fields. And then he gets into college and he's working with Jordan Palmer all summer long. And Justin Herbert's just in Eugene, just like hanging out. And so, you know, that's something that Daniel Popper mentioned in his article, is like Justin Herbert had to be told by his Quarterbacks coach John Beck that he like this is you're a special player like Mm. this arm you have is amazing and so you know I just feel like the different the upbringing is so different between the two. Mm -hmm. um I think if you're talking as as purely as prospects, like if you're taking out the 2020 rookie season for Justin Herbert, I think it's Trevor Lawrence, and I don't think it's particularly close. Like Mm -hmm. as much as people want to have this conversation, I love Justin Herbert and what he's been doing. Sure. But the the offense at Oregon and the coaching and his decision making process and his performance under pressure, you know, it, it's not a comparison to what Trevor Lawrence is, who, you know, if you want to get nitpicky about Trevor Lawrence, you can do that. Um, mm-hmm. To me, you know, he's got a seven point five eight grade for me, which is you know pretty close to number one overall in the class. Um, so I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a slam dunk. The only thing you know, Alex mentioned Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. The only thing to me that's going to keep Trevor Lawrence out of being an elite quarterback is health. Um, you know, that's the only thing I see where, you know, if we look, you know, down the road in six, seven years, if he's not a top five quarter quarterback, it's going to be because he got hurt, not because he didn't have the talent.
1: Yeah, the, that and where he goes, and we know where he's going. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, I don't... I'm not accusing Chris Sims of doing this, but you can kind of, if you wanted to be smart and take a gamble on this and make lists like he does. I hated his corner list, by the way. Oh, his
2: corner list was so
1: bad. (laughs) So bad. Whatever. You could rank your guys based on kind of where you think they're going to go because there's a chance Fields and Wilson who are not a Trevor Lawrence go to better situations if either of them say end up with Kyle Shanahan Versus Lawrence going to the Jaguars, like, ugh. You know the Chargers, while they did not have the head coach and they certainly did not have the offensive plan, like say like the Bengals did to make Burrow succeed, they had the best kind of offensive like team around him to let Herbert succeed. So even though I thought Tua was a better prospect, the Dolphins on offense were a mess. Whether that be the talent that they had or the coaching staff that they had to produce an offense, it was rough. Herbert, while it wasn't that great, at least came into a good situation in terms of the team and the people around him. So I, I'm just worried to see, <laughs> I mean, it's the Jaguars guys, like, I don't yeah. know how this is going to turn out. Um, so we'll see, I guess. Uh, I don't think Alex is much of an Urban Meyer fan. So I don't think he <laughs> believes that this will work out all that much, but um, special prospect, horrible situation, perhaps.
3: Yeah, um, I, I was just um, – I'm sidetracked because I'm Googling what Chris Sims' quarterback list was because now <laughs> I'm curious about it. I see that he is Caleb Farley number one, but I haven't seen the rest of it. So I'll, I'll do a thorough Google on that. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence will be successful in Jacksonville. I mean, Urban Meyer or not, like I just think his ability supersedes any coach. And uh, if there's one thing Urban Meyer is known for, I mean, it's having prolific offenses build around built around a college star. And that's what Trevor Lawrence is. Uh, so I think he'll be, you know, great at doing that. You know, for me, it's like Steven right. said, uh, Jacksonville's offensive line. I think that needs some work uh, and, and refinement. They did get uh, Norwell back, um, but um, I don't know. I'm not sold on that as a protection unit. But he does have some weapons. Uh, at least you know more than he had. You know more than Jacksonville had it in. He's got more uh, than Tua has, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, more than more than Tua has at the moment, right? Uh, and Jacksonville could always go offense, uh, I, I don't know, in the second, third mm-hmm. round. Maybe they get some another wide receiver or something like that. Um, but, you yeah, know, I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence is just going to be a stud uh, regardless of what team drafts him, even though we know it's going to be Jacksonville. Um, it's it's just too much like he has everything that you want in a quarterback. I think it's better than any prospect there's ever been before. And uh, to me, that's not even, like, overhyping him. Like, that's just who he is, right? Like, Andrew Luck, you know, played at kind of a different time. Peyton Manning played at a different time. For this era of football, like, I think Trevor Lawrence is the greatest prospect we've ever seen.
2: I would agree with that as well. And I think he's going to be able to overcome – uh, you know, what kind of deficiencies Erwin Meyer might have in terms of building his roster. Right. He's already complaining mm-hmm. about free agency, and it's like, <laughs> did you not know what you were getting into, my man? Um, anyways, but like, you know, Andrew Luck was able to overcome for the most part, for the early part of his career, a terrible offensive line and, and a subpar supporting cast, so I, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a successful quarterback. I think, you know, it, it just kind of depends on on what he does at the team level, and that's more of more the coaching thing, because you know, Andrew Luck, like he overcame things and he got them into the playoffs. But like once it comes up to the point where you have to face, you know, a, a potential dynasty New England Patriot team, like that's when the other stuff, the other players around him, will matter. Um, but I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be plenty successful. Um, you mentioned the Jaguars. Um, I'm just going to mention this. I was I was doing an article today for, uh, for Bolt Beat about you know why the Chargers you know have to take an offensive lineman, and uh, don't be surprised if the Jaguars take one were uh, either with their second first round pick or their first second round pick because their right tackle situation is not very good. You know they have, they have Cam Robinson at left tackle; he's fine, uh, but their right tackle is off. So I just wanted to bring that up. Don't be surprised if the Jaguars take an offensive tackle. Um, but let's let's get to the other quarterbacks now. You know um, I'm not going to lie. You know Zach Wilson. As much as I try to be objective, I could not place him over Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is number two for me by a wide margin. Um, Tyler, where do you land on the number two, number three debate right now?
1: Same thing. Uh, I don't want to say it's like last year, but in the same realm of me having Burrow and Tua and then Herbert, take that with a grain of salt because obviously Herbert is a better, (laughs) but I, I still think it's Lawrence and Fields. Fields a little bit lower than Lawrence, sure, but I still think those two are definitely the top two. And then you can start talking about Wilson I think Fields would have been the best quarterback prospect from the 2020 draft as well, um, for a different number of reasons. Maybe because he has more years than Burrow, or doesn't have the significant injury, you know, like Tua, or he actually was able to show something in like an NFL style offense, you know, more than Herbert did. Um, I think that the notion that he's a one read guy is a lot of horse shit. Um yes. I didn't see Wilson reading defenses any more than Fields was asked to. Right. Not that neither of them did. It's just like one guy could, one guy, I don't know. It, it felt like, feels like analysts are finding some way to push this kid down. And it's not really sitting well with me for some reason. I mean, I'll say this. I never saw Zach Wilson carve up Clemson going to toe-to-toe with Trevor Lawrence, you know? And, right. and that game is full of processing with from fields. Um, he's full of talent, faced tons of high-level competition. I think he should be QB2 based on, you know, the film and future projection. Um, so yeah, he's he's pretty much my clear-cut number two. And I yeah I don't think it's really that close either.
3: So where do I land on the Zach Wilson two three debate? Uh, I have Zach Wilson number four, so oh. that would be that would be an issue there. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I think Fields is slam dunk the number number two in this class. Uh, for me, I have Trey Lance at three, who who we'll get to later. But yeah, like Tyler said, I think Fields is unfairly judged in terms of what he. You know the limited sample size that the Big Ten had this year. Then people were like, "What about the Indiana game?" And like, yeah, he <laughs> wasn't good in the Indiana game. Did you see the game where he threw six touchdowns <laughs> against the best defense in the country? Like, you know, the, yeah. that stuff makes me makes me go a little bit crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I think Fields. I mean, it, it's funny because when they were coming out of high school, there, you know, Trevor Lawrence was one A and Justin Fields was one B right? Like I think someone, I forget who it was. It might've been Roger Sherman or somebody on Twitter, but they actually posted like their scores were like 0.001 points different. Yeah. Um, and that gap grew in college, but like these two have always been, you know, the talk of their respective classes. And, you know, I think Fields is going to be uh, great in the NFL. I think the Jets should take him. Uh, I don't know what their Mormon obsession is, but you know, I, to me, you just got to take Fields number two, if you're the jets and I know friendly Weissman and, and other guys have said the same thing. Uh, I just think he's too talented to pass up.
2: Well, you know, like there's, there's one thing, you know, like Daniel Jeremiah having Zach Wilson at two, I, I you know, I understand. Cause I know that he's not mm-hmm. going to, he's not going to put out the, the bullshit narratives that like, Oh, he can't process. Cause like, to be yeah. honest, like even Trevor Lawrence has issues with processing. It just comes down to, that's what these college offenses are running and coaching. Like ninety eight percent of the time, they're making one read, maybe two, and, and then they're throwing the ball, and and that's just the reality of the position nowadays. Um, so the narrative surrounding Justin Fields has always been, you know, just something that doesn't really sit well with me. And you know, we can get, we won't get into why I think that's probably happening. Um, I get you though. I think Justin yeah. Fields is a fantastic player. I think he, I think he would be a, an awesome choice in New York. I think he'd be a great fit for what they want to do um, with the Shanahan system. And you know, luckily for him, you know, I, I think there's there's another good landing spot, which is Atlanta. You know, mm-hmm. which which will have another you know Atlanta with another uh, Shanahan influence. And so I think those would be a good spot for him. Um, all right, let's get to the Zach Wilson thing because you know, here, here's my biggest thing, right? Because I watched him, you know, he, when I was in Utah, he was at BYU as a freshman. And, and then, you know, he happened to play as a, his sophomore season as well. And my biggest thing was Zach Wilson is this, he was awful against power five competition as a freshman and a sophomore. He didn't get the chance to rectify that, that process, that outcome because they're because COVID ruined their schedule, right? They were supposed to play like six power five teams They ended up playing zero and the only time that he played a legitimate defense was coastal Carolina and he was bad. He was really bad under pressure and he, you know, he threw an interception and he's just, he's not very good in those situations and he hasn't had the opportunity to make that the opposite case. Like we saw with Joe Burrow, right? You know, Joe Burrow was not very good in these kind of situations. And then he came out and had, you know, arguably the best college football season of all time. And so even Justin Herbert, like you see this progress in certain things. We just haven't seen that with Zach Wilson. So he's got an incredible arm, like the arm talent, and the way that he can make throws off-platform is insane. But the ability to th- to make throws under pressure and the ability to make throws against elite competition matter to me. Like I know a lot of scouts were like, level of competition doesn't matter. But what happened with Zach Wilson and BYU is he essentially transferred to a lower level of competition. And so those things matter to me, and that's why uh, Wilson is actually four for me as well. I do have a glance at three, but um, those are my issues with Zach Wilson, and it's not really his fault because, you know, COVID kind of, you know, threw his season
3: for shit. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to get to my take on Zach Wilson, but I will announce that the Chargers have signed Kyler Fackrell uh, from the Giants. That That's per their Twitter. Interesting. Outside linebacker. We have news to talk about after this quarterback segment. Interesting. Um, breaking news. But, yeah, breaking news on the show. Uh, Zach Wilson. So the thing for me is when I watch him, like I sort of see what people are talking about with like the whole like oh you know he could do the improv Mahomes stuff. Like I sort of see what that is, but also he's playing at BYU, where yeah. <laughs> their whole their whole schedule was like, hey, we need to schedule a really hard opponent. Let's go get Coastal Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was their situation <laughs> this year. Um. So I see what people are talking about. And Matt Miller has compared him to Kyler Murray, which I don't necessarily agree with either because Kyler Murray, I've seen video of him running stride for stride with Andy Isabella, who ran a four, three, (laughs) one Kyler Murray didn't run the 40, but if he did, he would have ran a four, four or higher, like he's an insane athlete. Who got drafted top 10 in two major American sports. Kyler Murray (laughs) ran for a thousand yards at Oklahoma, man. Yeah, that too. Like he is just a beast. And like, you know, I haven't seen anything that's like, you know, is his, is Zach Wilson's arm as good as Kyler Murray's? I don't think so. Is Zach Wilson's legs as good as Kyler Murray's? No, because if I put a 40 yard dash with Zach Wilson and Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray would dust him by probably half a second. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's more, to honestly. me probably more like it, it's a big difference between those two guys, in my opinion, in terms of athleticism. And you talk about Mahomes. It's like, okay, sure, he can do some of those Mahomes improvisation things. But Mahomes can also, from his own twenty yard line, throw the ball blindfolded, you know, seventy yards out of the stadium, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, um, and then or that's when he's on a vertical me. plane in the Super Bowl. yeah. Right? <laughs> Or he's on a vertical plane in the Super Bowl, you know, and the Bucks are eating him alive. Or horizontal, um,
2: rather, excuse me.
3: Yeah. Um, and so for me, you know, I put this comp up on uh, the Twitter account. But for me, my comp is kind of Johnny Manziel, where, and I, I before people get on me, this, I don't mean that as like a bad thing. Like Johnny Manziel was really good. And, you know, look, uh, Zach Wilson is a Mormon. So I don't think he's going to have any of the off the field issues Johnny Manziel did. <laughs> um, but like when I see it when I see him I see like above average athleticism for sure but to me I don't see that superstar athleticism that a lot of people have him where he's just vaulting up the draft to be you know number two when if you ask anyone last year it would have been like he would probably be like the fourth quarterback taken off the board right so that's kind of my confusion with him so I think he's like he can be good in the NFL like just like I think Johnny Manziel like could have been good in the NFL um if he wasn't drafted into such a bad situation and had the issues he had i just don't think he's at that point where i see his athleticism and traits and i'm willing to overlook uh, all of the you know competition
1: issues mm-hmm. and and you know all that this is a tough one i don't want to smack him with the same issues that i or not issues what I did last year to Justin Herbert, I guess, even though Herbert, I would have taken him as my third quarterback. I don't want to smack him for too much for not showing me something where it wasn't quite his fault. But well, look, I don't have a lot of time to watch a lot of games. This isn't our full time jobs, by what some people in the comment section believe we don't do this for a full time living. So yeah. I try to watch your best competition. If I'm watching fields, I'm watching Clemson. And Alabama and Northwestern, all these ranked teams, and so with Wilson, you have to watch. You have to go back to 2019 and watch some of these, you know, some of these games. And he had two passing touchdowns against three ranked teams. Like that's really not good. That's yeah. not good. Again, I can't just judge him off of that because he also had a really good 2020 season, based yeah. on what he did against teams. If they were all blank helmets, like wow, is really he's really good. So, but I, I have to take both into account. So, he actually has a second round grade for me. He's my quarterback three, barely, barely. Um, I kind of agree with you guys where I don't see this elite athleticism that everybody keeps talking about. Like, I just, I get it. He's athletic, definitely above average, certainly more than above average, but certainly not you know, elite athleticism that people are seeming to talk about. But yeah, he has a second round grade for me. I, would that but that's kind of not fair again, though, because it's like I would right. based on a 2020 tape give him a first round grade. But I watched three games from 2019. And that good that goes into my grade too. Yeah, you know, you have to include some of that, right? So he does have a second round grade for me. It's fine if he goes in the first round. I totally get it. He's an ascending player. Good job for you know, I was watching uh, Peyton Turner play BYU because I wanted to watch Peyton Turner at Houston. And and um Wilson had a great game, right? Yeah. And Turner's no slouch as an ed rusher, he might go in the second round, but yeah, it, this is a tough, tough evaluation. During out during the next you know couple of months or so, we're going to talk about some tough evals, and this is one of them because it's it's just you don't want to knock him too much because he had a, such a great year, but then, oh boy, it was really bad against good teams, and then he plays to Carolina, and that wasn't good either. Yeah. So this is definitely a tough one for me. I don't want to have my words, you know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to get bit in the ass in about a year <laughs> when he goes to a really good team. Yeah. and Someone really capitalizes on what he can do well. But I just think rank him quarterback too. After watching him throw two touchdown passes versus Utah, USC, and Washington, like I just I can't do that. I do, I really can't.
3: Yeah, it's the it's best. Tough. Uh, I, oh, no, I just want to say the best part of watching Zach Wilson tape is the offensive line of BYU. It's so good, like it's so those good. people. <laughs> those people are so mean. It will throw you <laughs> a, like it's just insane to watch. I just had to get that in there. Yeah, yeah, you know,
2: watching him to watching him today and yesterday, uh, you know, I, I realized that you know I might have to you know reevaluate Brady Christensen, who is their left tackle, um, you know, and I'll have to get to that point uh, because you know I think you know the more we it becomes likely that the Chargers pass on an offensive lineman in the first round, I think Brady Christensen in the second round could make a lot of sense, but you know Wilson like. The things that I've always known about him, you know, is that he's got a really, really talented arm. And, you know, I just think that like everybody, he's kind of getting like the Sean McVay effect in terms of like Patrick Mahomes. Cause like people are looking for the next Patrick Mahomes. And so they look at Zach Wilson and they're like, Oh, like he does some of, some of the same stuff that Patrick Mahomes does, but Trevor Lawrence can do some of that same stuff and so can Justin Fields. And it's like, you don't hear that about them. You only hear it about Zach Wilson. So I, I think in any, other, in any other year, right, in any other draft, he probably ha- could have a legitimate argument for being the first quarterback taken and f- potentially the first overall pick. But you're going up against Lawrence and Fields, man. I think those two are, are the powerhouses. And I think, you know, me personally, like if I were the Jets and if I were a Jets fan, I would be clamoring for Justin Fields because I think he's a more of a sure thing. Like, I know what I'm getting in Justin Fields. I know what he can do against elite high-end competition, which whoever plays quarterback there is going to have to do because the Patriots' defense is going to be really freaking good, Dolphins' defense really freaking good, and the Bills' defense really freaking good. So whoever they take at quarterback is going to have to be able to step up against high-end competition on a yearly basis. And I know with 100% certainty that Justin Fields can do that. I don't know if Zach Wilson can. So, it, again, it's a little unfair to him, like Tyler was saying. And he's going to be – I think he's going to be a, a successful quarterback. He's very talented. Mm-hmm. If he lands in a Shannon system, that's going to be great for him because that yeah. offense makes things so much easier for quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think Justin Fields would be the more sure thing. Um, and I, I, did, I do think Wilson and Trey Lance are very close.
3: Yeah, me
1: too. Same.
3: Um, uh, I, I have Trey Lance personally, uh, as my, as my number three, I think it's close with fields, but for me, I just see some of the physical traits that really pop on tape. And, and people talk about those with Zach Wilson. I'm like, you know, Trey Lance is six, 230 pounds kind of bowling people over. <laughs> and it, yeah. it's just crazy. It's crazy to watch that. And the person that he reminds me of, uh, of in his prime is Colin Kaepernick. Like I, and you know, comparison. you could, yeah. And you could say like Kaepernick, you know, 2015, 2016, you know, that's when things went bad. But like when Kaepernick was, you know, in his prime 2012 to 2014, like I think that dude was the top 10 quarterback in the league. Like, and I, I just see that with him. Now there are things he has to fix. I know Dan Orlovsky was on ESPN talking about how he, he sort of has like a, a stance issue and mechanics, um yeah. that are sort of reminiscent of Mitchell Trubisky a little bit uh which is a little scary but I think if you can coach those things out of him and if you know, if he lands on a spot like Atlanta I think they absolutely count with Arthur Smith if he lands on a spot like Carolina I think he can absolutely Matt Rule to me is a great coach um so I think if he lands in one of those two spots he'll be set up pretty well um I think it's Close. Uh, I mean, because the, the level of competition at BYU and NDSU and is, I mean, BYU is probably better, but, you know, the, the level of competitions aren't too much different uh, at that point. So I would personally rank Lance higher based on the fact that when we talk about like those physical traits, I think that's kind of what separates him. I do think yeah. he needs to be uh, more accurate, or obviously, when he gets into the league. But for me, I, I just see those traits and I'm like, you know, I have I have the reaction to Trey Lance that a lot of people have to Zach Wilson, <laughs> to be honest.
2: <laughs> I loved watching Lance, man. And you know, I watched him a few times now because I watched their film to watch Dylan Radoons, and then I watched their film to watch him. And Lance is a really, really strong football player, right? Like he's got a really good arm, his touch, you know, the way that he's able to drop the balls in a bucket is very reminiscent of of Russell Wilson. You know, we didn't see we don't see a whole lot of that out of other players. And the guy rushed for a thousand yards <laughs> in a college football season. Like, you know, it's just crazy. And what you could put, you could potentially do with him. I think if he lands in like Alex was saying, you know, with Arthur Smith, who obviously has, they have Matt Ryan, who, so Trey Lance could sit for a year because if there is one quarterback that needs to sit for a year, it's Trey Lance, because we, we obviously haven't seen that development. And it like the, one of the bigger, what ifs of the draft is like, what if COVID didn't what if that FCS school was able to play a full season, right? And we saw Lance do another like crazy 28 touchdowns, one or two interceptions, another 1,000 yards rushing? Like, where, how high could he climb? And, you know, he's still probably going to be a top five pick. And Atlanta apparently has, you know, a hard on for him because I think that's a really good spot for him. Um, but Lance is an interesting one. I, I do think him and Wilson are close, though. Um, in terms of the fifth quarterback, I, I really wanted it to be someone else. Um, but it's Mac Jones, man. I, I like, he, he's just first of all, him running a four six eight bullshit, not happening. <laughs> no chance did Mac Jones run a four six eight. That is such <laughs> bullshit. Um, and, and like he's just really underwhelming. Like athletically, he's kind of yeah, you know, at, you know, similar to like an Eli Manning. Like just kind of doesn't have a great arm, doesn't wow you with any athletic traits. But he's really smart. And he makes good mm-hmm. reads. And his ball placement is generally outstanding. Does he get aided by having Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith? Sure. (laughs) So did Tua, but people seem to have forgotten that already, a.k.a. Colin Coward. Um, But I I think he's a very solid quarterback prospect. I would not take him in the top 15. I think that would be a a huge mistake, just with the way that the quarterback position is trending. Like, you need to be an athlete. Um, But I think he's okay. Like, you know, I, I look at Mac Jones in a very similar way That I looked at Jake Fromm. Like, Mm -hmm. he's not going to be a crazy good player. He's probably never going to be like an MVP type of player, but he'll get the job done. And he's, you know, probably similar to like a a Kirk Cousins or a Jared Goff kind of situation.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the best spot for him is like any place where there's like a really good offensive line. Uh, And one of the places that I see as I look down the board, it's like, you know, New England's there at 15. You know, that spot to me would be great for him. Uh, and you know you could have Cam as kind of his mentor, you know, to some degree for a year. Um, I think that would be a great landing spot, and you could have him kind of sit behind uh, Cam in that in that situation. I, you know, the athleticism is a is a problem because I think if he was coming out ten years ago, like we mm-hmm. we might be talking about him in the same way that we were talking about Matthew Stafford, like yeah. I, I, you know. But now, I yeah, right, like you said. I think there's just so many more things that you need to do, whether, you know, it's rushing the ball or evading pressure that I don't know is going to be Mac Jones's strength. Um, I do think the arm talent is there, not quite to the extent of like Lawrence or Fields, obviously, but uh, I I do think he has that. For for me, my comp for him was kind of like, Alex Smith, Ben Roethlisberger, like that's kind of what I see when I watch him, where it's like, OK, you know, he can he do he can do the things he needs to do. Right. And, you know, you look at Alex Smith, who <laughs> he, all those years ago was, you know, the number one pick. Right. Uh, so that's kind of where I, I think a lot of people see him. Um, but it's, it's just a different game completely than what it was, yeah. you know, 15 years ago. And I think that's kind of the, the trick, you know, we talk about how Zach Wilson is tough to evaluate. I think that's tough to evaluate with Mac Jones as well, because right. Like if you do put a great offensive line around him and if you do put the supporting cast around him, like, you know, he can really develop into something special, but you know, the chances of doing that versus your percentage chance of doing that with fields or, uh, you know, Wilson or Lawrence, I just don't think they're as high
1: yeah like you said jones is a good quarterback who's like from who just in the, he's in the wrong body unfortunately you know everything yeah. above the shoulders i think is solid and you know start right. easy and him to run quite a bit and you watch the national championship game not that he was able to do a lot but he was able to efficiently run the offense that was right. doing throwing a lot at ohio state um i don't want to say he's a game manager but I, like that's also not, like a bad thing to be called yeah. Yeah. he just doesn't have like that ceiling like you guys said, which is okay for some teams. It's just kind of like he is probably the fifth quarterback in this draft. Like that's where I have him. I think that's where you guys seem to have him. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's, where, that's like where pretty much everybody has Mac Jones fifth. And like, are you trading up for Mac Jones? So, I mean, you're sitting there and the Chargers are like, we really want to trade back. Like, who's trading up for Mac Jones? I mean, the, like I said, the Patriots could sit there and take him. Like, I just don't know who's going to trade yeah. up for that guy. We could probably find four maybe five better prospects the following year so well I'd be just interested to see where he goes I mean from I liked a lot last year he graded out really well it's because I liked those you know above the shoulders kind of quarterbacks he fell of the 5th round I don't think Jones is falling that far but I'd be really curious to see where he goes because I thought someone taking from in the second would have been a steal and he fell all the way back to day 3 so uh we'll see where he goes
2: yeah, that was wild, and, and he's in Buffalo, and it's like, yeah, well, it's kind of a weird situation with Josh Allen and Jake Fromm because they're two completely different quarterbacks. And totally. So, and, and they signed Biskey. That's right. I forgot about that. Oh, my gosh. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Like, to me, if somebody's going to trade up for Mac Jones, like, I think it would be more likely that someone trades up to the Vikings, right? Because I, I don't think that the Patriots would trade up two spots to get Mac Jones, right? So if if the Patriots are still sitting there at 15 and there's been talk that, you know, they've been maybe looking into trading up themselves to get a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance, which I think would be, you know, an outstanding situation for them, unfortunately. But to me, like, it'd be more feasible to see, like, Washington trade from 19 to 14 with the Vikings, like, if the Patriots are sitting there at 15 and they know that, you know, the Patriots are going to take Mac Jones. But, like, I'm not trading up for a player who who doesn't have that kind of a ceiling. So it would would be great for the charges that were able to happen, but you know, historically we haven't really seen teams take a swing like that on someone like Mac Jones. Like we'll see Mm -hmm. it with someone like Jordan love who has really high end athletic traits. Granted, I think the Packers only traded up like three spots to get him. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the consensus around Mac Jones is that he's going to be, you know, a game manager. He's going to need help around him. And that's just not someone that you trade up for. So it'd be great for the chargers. I just don't think it'll happen.
1: And I'd rather trade whatever you, whatever you think you'd have to give up to trade up for Jones. I'd rather just trade kind of the same amount for Teddy Ridgewater, honestly.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a fair point. If you, if you view Jones as a game manager, then, you know, what's the difference between him and, you know, Tr- Trader Kirk Cousins or Teddy Bridgewater? Like, yeah. I, I don't know if there is one. I mean, the advantage is he's younger on a rookie deal, right? And and you can take advantage of that while you can. Um, I, you know, I I just don't know if in 10 years, like, is he going to be your franchise guy? I mean, maybe he is. And maybe, you know, a team like New England or someone does everything perfectly around him to the point where, you know, it really boosts him um i i just yeah like 20 years ago maybe he's the number two quarterback in the draft but now it's he's he's just not well it's gonna be interesting to see if he does
2: experience a fall like you know uh, jake from did i don't think he's gonna fall to the fifth round but no you know the patriots clearly think that they have a, r- a roster ready to win you know they're going after all these moves and so i wouldn't be that surprised if they took you know, uh, Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith if they're at 15 or, or gave Cam Noon another weapon or took a cornerback because, you know, they have Stephon Gilmore who's potentially being traded and they have J.C. Jackson who's going to be really expensive next year. So I'm not so sure the Patriots would take a quarterback because, you know, mm-hmm. what is, you know, Bill Belichick's, what, 72 or something like that? Like how many years does he have left and does he really want to coach a rookie or does he want to just ride with Cam, and stack the deck around Cam and, and be able to, to get into the playoffs that way.
3: Remember when Bill Belichick to the Chargers was a thing for like... <laughs> <laughs> on Payton. Oh, man. So the
2: the other interesting thing here in terms of quarterbacks really is, is if the Chargers potentially add someone in the draft. You know, we've talked about them adding a veteran backup, but it's also possible that they add you know, a, a rookie draft pick. We, none of us have looked, done enough of that homework. Um, But I think if I'm going to pick one, it probably would be Jamie Newman just because, I like, at one point, I felt like he, if he had gone to Georgia and taken enough steps in his development, I felt like he could have played himself into, like, a first-round pick. So I think Jamie Newman would be, like, my choice in turn. Again, haven't watched, you know, obviously he didn't have a season this past year because he opted it out. But I think if the Chargers were to take a chance on a developmental guy, I think Jamie Newman – in the sixth or seventh would probably be my choice. I don't know if you guys have anyone you want to bring up, but I just wanted to throw that out
1: there.
3: Yeah. um, I don't know. For for me, taking a quarterback late in the draft sort of brings me to where the same problem that I have with stick right now, which is like, if you're taking a fifth or sixth round pick quarterback, it's like, cool. But is that guy going to be able to back up Justin Herbert this year? The answer is probably no. Um, and that's sort of my issue with Stick, who hasn't played football in like two years. Um, so I wouldn't mind taking a shot on, I don't know, Jamie Newman, Sam Ellinger, all these kind of guys that are in that, I don't know, fifth, sixth, seventh round pick range. But for me, it it just brings you back to square one with Easton Stick, which is like I haven't seen enough of this guy personally to make a decision on him to be the backup this year, which is why I want to bring in a Chase Daniel or I haven't heard anything about Alex Smith. Um, But that's kind of why I want to bring in those guys just because right. I, I haven't seen enough of Easton Stick and the comms are going to be like, well, trust the Easton Stick. It's like, okay, but I can't why? trust him if I haven't seen him play football in two years. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, you can talk about – I think Helen Mond is going to go a lot higher than that. But yes. for those fifth, sixth, seventh round guys, the issue for me is just I don't see what the advantage is to having them over Stick at this point.
1: My top five is my only five, and that's my input. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm not how, planning on how watching. far.
1: How far would Mac Jones fall?
2: Oh man, S- I think if he, round. I think if he fell in like the second round, I, I could see a team like Pittsburgh taking a shot at on him in the second round. You know, I, I think the Steelers need to get you know some kind of offensive lineman in the first round, but mm-hmm. you know, I could see, I could also see a team like the Colts taking him in the second round as a backup for. Uh, they have Eason. That's kind of the same person.
3: <laughs> well, if you draft Mac Jones, you can make it so Carson Wentz doesn't play 70% of the snaps and then, <laughs> then you can get the Eagles out of that second round pick.
2: <laughs> True. That's an interesting question because at that point, if you're Bill Bell in the second round, like sure, you could probably take Mac Jones, but.
3: I think the furthest he'll fall is probably late first round within that 24 to 32 range. Kind of, I, I sort of see a team maybe trading up for him at that point. If they're early in the first round, um, uh, I mean, kind of in a similar way to what the chargers did last year, actually very similar to what the Packers did last year. Um, just with a better quarterback, uh, <laughs> Jordan love. Uh, so I, Jason, I can see man. a very, <laughs> sorry, Jason. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I think it's a very similar – I think it could be a similar thing. If he does fall from that top 15 range, I think he'll be around, like, 25, 26-ish.
2: Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Well, um, that'll do it for our quarterback conversation. We're going to get into all the position breakdowns leading up to the draft. Um, I cannot wait. This is my favorite time of the year. I love the draft as much as free agency has been fun. Uh, Talking about the draft is, is just so much fun. Um, as for Kyler Fackrell, I think he's a special team signing. I haven't looked much into him, uh, but we'll talk about that later on, unless either of you guys has something to talk about him right now.
3: Um, I mean, the thing I'll say about Kyler Fackrell is I, 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 I've seen him a lot because I watch <laughs> NFC East football. Um, and I really saw him a lot last year where the Giants kind of use him as like a rotational rusher. So I, I wouldn't be excited about him starting. But he did get four sacks last year, which is more than a lot of people in the Chargers defense had. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're talking about depth pieces, uh, seven tackles for loss, about 23 uh, total tackles. Uh, No, sorry, I read that wrong. Uh, 34 total tackles. Um, I think he's decent enough to to kind of be, you know, I'll I'll have to look more into the tape. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of him, but... I do think he's good enough uh, to be a rotational rusher that you can put on the other side um, of Joey Bosa. And just, you know, since you're probably not going to be rotating Bosa out, honestly, you're probably rotating. Like if Ed Wosu needs a rest or, you know, if you do draft an edge in the second or third round and they need a rest, then I think Kyler Fackrell uh, is playable, right. Versus they lost Rochelle and they lost a lot of those guys. I, I, I tend to think Kyler Fackrell is a little bit better than a Rochelle type. Um, if if that's kind of your backup option. Uh, I think he's decent enough to uh, basically be a rotational rusher, and he can make some plays once in a while. Uh, and I think that's all you want. Obviously, special teams, huge benefit, um, just because like, if you're going to lose some of the guys on special teams that they have in recent years, I think Fackrell is the guy who can
1: contribute. Was he good on special teams, or was he like, Gabe Neighbors two penalties, special teams?
3: <laughs> um... He's a contributor. Like I, I sort of see him as like a, a BJ Bellow, right? Kind of what BJ Bellow did last year. I don't think he's sure. going to like pop on special teams the same way like Adrian Phillips made the Pro Bowl on. Sure, um, but I think he'll be decent enough. Cool. It's probably it's probably a similar signing to Nick Vigil, which
2: is so funny because mm-hmm. they were teammates in college. Yeah. Um, yeah, Utah State. I think. Right. I know Fakrell went there. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Utah State.
2: There we go. So <laughs> interesting depth signing that happened to break while we were recording this podcast. So, um, all right, guys, that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, uh, we do have a special treat for you next episode, so make sure and turn those notifications on subscribe to the channel and leave us a review if you can. And, uh, thanks
3: again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. I might go eat some chicken parm. Boo. <laughs> hey, neighbors. <laughs>
4: Program.